Hello, everyone. I know this is a very weird start uh, to, to our usual episodes, because you usually hear the music before we start. But we felt that this one, uh, in light of what has happened over the past uh, couple of days in the world of wrestling, we didn't want to put this in the news segment. We wanted to put this as a little bit right at the beginning. Um, and uh, we wanted to have a couple of like serious words about it. So as everyone knows, we uh, the, the wrestling world... Uh, heard and knew of the tragic loss of Daphne Unger a couple of days ago and um it's just uh the the everything that around uh, that surrounded before that it was uh hit a little close to home for me uh and we just wanted to kind of get a couple of words out of there uh, myself and Dan um and just to say about you know mental health and how it matters and how you matter as well so, yeah, Dan, uh, if you've got a couple of words, uh, please feel free to say. Uh, this news coming out hurt us pretty intensely, um, both tied to our, all three of our past histories and ties to mental health, mental health issues, and the impact therein of those. Uh, we do just want to say, if you have been affected by this news um, or by any of the reaction to it, or from seeing it through social media. Please do feel empowered to separate yourself from social media, to take breaks, and to protect your own peace as much as you can in these times, especially if you've struggled with these issues, or if you feel it could be a potential trigger to you. Um, we would also like to say that if you are in a situation where you are struggling with your mental health and you do feel able to, please reach out to services in your area uh, or reach out to services that can provide you some support in that time. It may be difficult and may not always be the most accessible, um, as I found out from talking to um, fellow podcasters, creators, um, and just people around the wrestling world uh, who are in the US um, but please if you are able to or you have a person that you are able to talk to please do these conversations matter and the more open we are about having these the easier these conversations can become yeah absolutely and as a final word Rest in peace to quite possibly one of the most underrated valets slash managers in pro wrestling uh, history. You will always be remembered, Daphne, for being so freaking awesome. But with that, it is time to get on with the episode. It is time to tune up the band and put on your silver lucha mask for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam alongside Reardon and Dan as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. Now, I was going to try and see if there was a Spanish translation for Sweet Chinwag, but I didn't want to butcher it for our Spanish con- uh, Mexican contingent. But afternoon there, chaps. How are you doing? <laughs> 
All good, and thank you for not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't think the concept of chinwag translates over into other languages. I don't think <laughs> so. You, you know what? Gun's accepted. I'm sure there's something. I am sure there's something there. I mean, like, because we, I've had to explain what the hell chinwag even means to like non-British people, so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wonder if there is. There must be some sort of like different slang for for chatting or conversation. There has oh, to there be. There is has almost to be. definitely in, in other languages. The the other part is I just don't know what those words are. So <laughs> there, same, same. It has been uh, it's been a heck of a week. Um, just here, there, and everywhere. Just outside of uh, of wrestling for me as well. So it's been so busy, and trying to put that into you know doing what I usually do is researching these episodes. It's been a it's been a tough old week, but I've come out the other side of it. Good. Yeah, well, you've got uh, you know you had your little bit of of spicy news that we may or may not share here. So <laughs> hopefully soon that'll be done. Uh, and needless to say, I am excited and good Lord, am I incredibly nervous about being a part of that? Oh, hell am I excited? You're talking about something I absolutely <laughs> love. So <laughs> all I'll say no is pre- no pressure from me at all, by the way, <laughs> but like, if you do disrespect the thing that I love, then like you're going to get hands. <laughs> That's oh. like, you're working with your, you're, with the person you're working with, if you disrespect it, you're getting hands from him first. <laughs> oh boy, this is going to be a surprising video when it gets released <laughs> for sure. Nothing but hands from here on out. <laughs> All right, These then. hands are rated E for everyone. <laughs> I'm moving on very quickly. We give you this podcast. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know what, guys? You know what? Hang on. There's something i got to find out real quick. But you know what? In life, there's only one thing that you must do. It's siempre estar piente. Always <laughs> be pending i probably butchered that pronunciation i don't care i'm glad, always i'm glad it's getting the heat instead of me there we go <laughs> uh, i would like to direct or like tell everyone to direct their heat directly to our twitter of which dan <laughs> Please do. Please do. Please do. Tremendous. So yeah, as we as we are chatting, very much looking forward to this. Our first episode, a part of Mexican Heritage Month. But before we get on our retrospective, all about El Santo, it's time to visit Dan for this week's action-packed wrestling news. Dun 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 down. I was going to say wrestling news in Spanish and I forgot what it was. <laughs> I was also I was also going to try and go for a, a, a Spanish lilt for the intro, but I decided against it. I decided against it. Too much heat. Too much heat. You could have just I'll said remember, Lucha Libre news. I was going to say, I was gonna, I'm going to remember for next week. All right. There we go. Uh, so let's start with the big story um, kind of, running around um the adam cole contract situation as far as we know uh, his contract with wwe is up attempts were made to renew that have not been met or agreed uh, didn't appear on raw or past editions of smackdown 
uh, and from the sounds of the internal memo that was revealed uh, from WWE, that more kind of NX, what we would term you know NXT originals or people associated with NXT may be facing release. Mm. Um, it looks like it may be it for him in WWE. Obviously, the most recent report to come out was that uh, one of the things causing so much trouble was that he was standing steadfast on his choice to want to keep his Twitch account live, mm. uh, which you'll remember WWE no longer allowed under their third party um, their, their third party agreements clause that was added into contracts about not being able to make money from working with outside companies without the direct influence of wwe factoring into it fair play to the guy because uh uh, oh sorry go on Braden. you first 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 of all i'm very confused by who this adam cole is it's adam cole baby (laughs) no it's chugs Adam Cole jokes. <laughs> weird as hell over here. But second of all, uh, as soon as to be honest, as soon as NXT died, I, I, it was writing was on the wall for Adam Cole. Frankly, is that is that fair to say? I think no. You you are very fair in your no. Assumption. But it, it it's kind of it's kind of similar to what I've been seeing people saying. I mean, again, this has revitalized this weird like. I don't know how to describe it, but every time there's one of these stories that's like, oh, NXT is changing, for some reason it turns into people just hating Johnny Gargano. <laughs> yeah. Like, people Why? really are hating on Johnny. Because, basic, on because, because, because basically, the way it goes is people are like, oh, NXT is changing. They don't want short, they don't want smaller wrestlers. They don't want the indie wrestlers or whatever. So it just turns into people being like, yeah, no more Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano doing 30 matches with 9,000 kick acts kick out some of their flippy shit and i'm like that's not the point at hand here <laughs> like um, listen i have criticisms of the nxt style like a great many people but don't blame gargano for this what did he do, what did he do? But, but basically the, the the fundamental point of it is that adam cole is kind of representative of what that 2016 to 2019 nxt was yeah he yes. is kind of like the you know the standard bearer under which people will say, oh well, that's what makes twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen NXT its a, its own specific thing in time. I can't <laughs> understand why people are ribbing on it because people absolutely love that time. So yeah, I remember people. Oh, think like the words I want to use for for the things people wanted for that. Let's say people were excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, come like, on. I mean, like, Gargano like, Champa was the best rivalry WWE had have have had for an incredibly long time. Yeah, like I like this is like this is some real selective memory here. Yeah, oh, come what, on. It, I mean, what I said about that was right. I was like, Gargano Champa was like the best thing WWE had going. We're gonna choose to ignore that one weird like cinematic match thing they had, right? Of course. Because <laughs> hey, did you did you know this right? You can have conflicting opinions at the same time. Yes. Yes, you can. Did you know that you can like something and simultaneously not like it? <laughs> I know I know it's a it, it's a higher level concept for some people, but like, <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> 
around. It's I tell you, in in regards to Adam Cole, I'm glad that he he remains steadfast on his Twitch because if you watch yeah. him, he really enjoys it, and you can tell he loves the community that he's cultivated within that. So to I say good on him for not wanting to give that up. I mean, the four guys streams he's done with New Legacy Inc. are hilarious. Oh, mate, the Mario Kart stream was undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> he also has a very mean Stone Cold Steve Austin impression, which I only him, discovered yeah, on his Twitch him stream. And, him and his brother. <laughs> really, oh, really do. Like it's oh. it's it's like I'll show you a clip afterwards, Reardon, if I can get find if I can find one. But he's his impression is actually too damn good. Wow. <laughs> but no, we've been through this before, and like we, I, we don't really need to litigate our opinions on it. He, we just like. Good on you, Adam Cole, for remaining steadfast because it is a utterly insane clause. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real talk as well on that. I think Adam Cole finally has been very much of the of the of my think you know very first caliber of wrestlers nowadays that have been very like you know what I am not going to be like ham fisted or kind of forced into a situation that i potentially may not like in the future yeah. mm. i've got the first time now in a main for mainstream wrestling in america again the thing i keep bringing up these guys now have options yeah and quite, that's quite the, a few at that yeah and that's the best and honestly that's the best thing going about modern day wrestling is that these guys don't have to like break themselves down to to to, to now have a comfortable life they they, they can now at you know, have the option to go here, maybe work a few dates here, maybe work a few dates there. Uh, you know, maybe go to this company and make a living, go to that company yeah. and make a living. Yeah. It's it's getting it really is getting to a point where it's like other than the sheer like production values and obviously the kind of like the the more wider mainstream stuff, although, you know, we could argue like yeah. we could litigate that it's getting to a point where it's like what does wwe as a company actually have to offer these people because I, I i mean not no financial or job security because remember they're yeah. independent contractors <laughs> yeah it, it's kind of the thing that's that's been the center of a back and forth with i've had with some people i know where it's kind of like i feel i feel like uh, again, hey, are you ready for another weird comparison that's going to seem like it makes no sense? Oh, we're all about those comparisons on this show. What have you got? <laughs> I get a big feeling of um, WWE similar to how some banks used to be, which is we're too big to fail. <laughs> they simply have too much capital and too much investment behind them. They can't realistically collapse. Wait, 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 wait. Mm. You tried to say WWE is the Northern Rock of professional wrestling. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. I was going more Royal Bank of Scotland, but... <laughs> but there we go. There we go. <laughs> but, like... Because I, 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 I genuinely think that they're at the point... Because I feel like such a thing that's run through WWE is that because they've been the sole dominant market leader, mm. yeah, that it's kind of put you know it's kind of put them into this kind of semi catatonic state. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh well, we're the WWE. We don't need to worry. We don't need to fail, and we don't we don't need to worry about failing because they've probably got enough capital behind them for the next five years to run 
exactly as they ever have been. Yeah, I feel as well from a like a creative standpoint. If I was in Adam Cole's position, from a creative standpoint, everything I don't know. This is probably just an observation from my end. I've always been a WWE fan. Everything you do creatively, whether that be stuff like say you know uh, being a wrestler, but being outside of that, uh, merchandising, designs, uh, mm. films. Uh, stuff like even like up up down down and stuff that all has to exist within the wwe bubble there's no possible way that you can go outside that bubble unless a you're off your contract or b your name's dwayne johnson <laughs> whereas if you're in a because no, 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 don't forget right Everyone like lost their lost their heads when sasha appeared in the mandalorian yeah yeah because everyone was like, well, "How the hell has she got on this?" Because don't forget, this was this was like two months, maybe just before the third party thing came out. Yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. they were that they were thinking of instituting this. I'm like, that's a bit weird. Yeah, that's that's a bit odd, really. On the other hand, it gave us she is officially Hurricane the a Star Wars character. So there, know, no, there we go. No one on God's Green Earth can take that away from her. <laughs> and you see stuff in AEW where these guys are able to have like be able uh, some of the guys are able to flex their creative muscles in other outlets. Not just like the whole live streaming game, but of course John Moxley was in actually a very semi decent martial arts like cage fighting movie. Uh which I think it was Kickboxer, wasn't it? I think it was Kickbox. I have no called. idea. Uh, whatever it was, actually, I, I saw a clip of it, and I actually thought John Moxley's actually not a, not a half bad actor. <laughs> I think he could. If, honestly, when if he, fact, if, I think that's just John Moxley as a person, and exactly. they choose to, you choose to believe it's a character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got guys doing uh, music here, there, and everywhere. You've got guys really dipping their toes into uh, into other ventures. Guys coming up in like like TV shows as well. Like Cody seems to be in, on every TNT show nowadays. So, <laughs> oh, well, don't forget they've got what? What is it called? Um, it's it's like roads to something or oh yeah, it's, it's some sort of like Real Housewives type of show, isn't it's, it? It's a show about it's a show about Cody and Brandy's family, <laughs> <laughs> which of course I'm I'm sure is getting rave reviews by everyone. <laughs> But it's 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 weird to it's it's interesting. If I was put in Adam Cole's position, I'd be like, I might have a little bit more flexibility doing the things I like to say if I go over here rather than staying here, because I might be a bit tied down to the to the company and having their kind of like their sort of like views and practices. Whereas here, I can I could be a bit more free to do what I want. If I mean going on that tangent, like I already am, I just that's what I see, and I feel like for. For me, if I was in that position, I'd probably, I'd probably let my contract lapse. <laughs> yeah, like fully. It's just like I'm just like you know what, <laughs> I respect it. Like, mm. I mean, I respect any person that chooses to take on a mega corporation, but you know that's a separate thing entirely. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, now's not now's not now's not the time for me to go on my anti-capitalism talk. <laughs> um, but. You know, I, he he's stay, he's staying true to what he wants, and he's saying like, look, I, the, you know, I want this thing. This is non-negotiable. 
Uh, and now all I can assume he's going to go back to ROH, join up, and uh, reform the kingdom. So, <laughs> oh, there you go, Matt Hardy. People opens keep the saying to me he's going to join the elite. No, he's reforming the kingdom, and I will die on this hill. Oh God! Oh, could to you be honest, imagine be, that man could honestly end up anywhere? I, oh, if you're yeah. asking me, if you ask me, where do I? It's like. <laughs> My answer is wherever he wants. Like, <laughs> yeah, the the answer is obviously wherever he wants. But the only thing I do want is I want him to appear in like Warrior Wrestling and then just like decide to have like, a bunch of classics with whoever. Yeah, whoever they decide to have in one day it's Lily Moriarty, the next it's Alex Shelley. Okay then. Okay then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Alex Shelley made a return for BLP recently. Actually, saw that. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but talking of American independence, let's get on to Minoru Suzuki's in- incoming US tour, oh. where he just decided, you know what? I'm just going to have a bunch of match of the year contenders. <laughs> yeah, like, how, <laughs> h- how is this Minoru Suzuki? You don't, you, d- you have very, you have seldom rare matches this year, and then suddenly you'd be like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to mess up everyone's lists this year. <laughs> I just love it how, like, for honestly, for most of this year, like, he's been good. Yeah, he's been at his usual level. Absolutely, but it's never. It hasn't been like anything crazy. And he's just like, all right, I'm going over to the US and just having a bunch of potential banger matches. And I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, sure. I was gonna say, what do you keep talking about these guys called Tony Deppard and Daniel Garcia? I might as well slap the taste out of their mouths now. I know that one really excites me, though. Daniel Garcia oh, yeah. versus Minoru Suzuki. Basically, Suzuki versus Suzuki Jr. Yeah, pretty much. I cannot wait to see it because I know for a fact these two are going to absolutely slap the hell out of one another. Um, I do partially wonder what went through Dominic Garini's head where he was like, yeah, you know what, my first match back after a while of not wrestling and it's going to be the only match he's going to do for a, a while while he's actually kind of still technically recovering. <laughs> Uh, is against Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, you know, what better way to, you know, have a safe match than go up against the guy... Oh, wait, no. No, 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 I didn't mean Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> That's going through Greedy's mind going, what have I done? Super, super excited for that. <clears throat> We're, of course, getting uh, Suzuki v. Gresham. Oh, uh, baby, I'm so... Which, frankly, is just illegal. Um, I love GCW for reasons that they put on some dream matches. You know what? GCW were like, hell yeah, sure, we'll we'll get that going, and I can only thank them for it. (laughs) Yep. Yes. Uh, Oh, speaking of GCW, have you seen Matt Cardona's new Universal Championship? Uh, Ridden. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) GCW has a spinner belt now. Yes! What better Vindication! way? What better way to draw massive amounts of heat than change your than have the guy change the world championship to a spinner belt? Can't lie, he's kind of been galactic on it. Like <laughs> vindication. <laughs> oh, but no, I am so looking forward to Suzuki having these matches. They are so on the cusp of being match of the year contenders. And honestly, if all of them are going to be as good as we all think they're going to be, if they live up to the expectation and hype, 
honest to goodness, I think Suzuki's going to be bumped straight up from for me from ten to the top three again. Yeah, no, it's entirely possible. How does he do this? Because he's Suzuki. This is just the mysterious ways in which he works. <laughs> Don't question it. Why are you questioning it? Uh, yeah, I, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. Uh, the more I question it, the more uh, pictures of young Minoru Suzuki come up and realizing, damn, that dude was a ha- is was and is a handsome dude. <laughs> Criminally so. <laughs> Criminally so. Uh, My man was looking like that in Pancreas. Unfair. <laughs> that, yes yes oh man pancras era uh Midoru suzuki oh that man could have been an absolute like heartthrob model too clean for mma <laughs> for proto mma oh. too clean um should we move on to some predictions and then get made to look like idiots when this comes out yes oh, please <laughs> Uh, so we will start off with the well. It's put down as the first match from the card, but I don't think it actually will be. But Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega for the AEW World Title. Oh, but well, my mm. money's on Omega winning this one. My money is on Omega. Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, I think they they but they they are they set up the whole Christian Cage winning the Impact Title as uh, may, may I say what a moment that was on Rampage as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, but they set that up to be like a chink in the armor for Omega, that there's a possibility that he could lose the world championship. So I think that's a great setup for this. But ultimately, I think we all know that the setup is going to be Omega versus Hangman Page in the future when Page comes back. Uh, yeah, well, by I'm the way, just... congratulations on the on the birth of his of his child. By the way, yeah, Hangman exactly. Page. Yeah, <laughs> it it should it should be said that uh, the. I believe it's the dynamite after full gear mm. is in Paige's hometown, or mm. at least it's his home state show. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, our next match is Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker. Britt Baker. I yeah. Personally, uh, I think, I mean, A, Statlander should have had the title before, before yes. she got injured. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Statlander on this one. Uh, I see. The uh, reason I say for Britt Baker is because I'll get back to another prediction of who's gonna win later on on this one because uh, I think they're setting up for for a, for a potential match here. But honestly, I'm with you there, Dan. I think Chris Statlander should have been women's champion before she was injured. She yeah. was so over. <laughs> so over. I still I still think she absolutely is, without a doubt. Oh, no, she, think... she is way over, especially now she's part of... Well, she's, like, properly part of Best Friends. Yeah. So I, t- I feel it's a weird transitional time where it's like, I think this might not be the right time. If you maybe full gear could have been the right time, but I don't know. This is just me yeah. talking at my bottom. <laughs> uh the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks in a steel cage match for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. I... There's literally only one option for me: is the Lucha Brothers every day of the week, every single time. I hope and pray that it is the Lucha Brothers. I really, really do because those boys deserve a title in AEW. It's been two years, guys. They, they deserve it. They need it. And I, I need, I need my boy Pentagon Junior crowned. I need it in my life. Yep. Uh, 
yeah. your AEW TNT title match, Eddie Kingston versus God's favorite champion, Miro. My heart <laughs> says Eddie, <laughs> but my head says Miro. <laughs> you know, my I, I, it's the opposite for me, actually. Really? Yeah. Mm. Okay, right. The heart says Eddie. The head says Miro. The heart also says Eddie's going to win in Arthurash in New York. Yeah. Mm. To a monster pop. <laughs> I think t- I mean, Tony Khan, he's smart. He would do that for sure. Like, because I feel like this. Like, I know, I know in like wrestling canon, we shouldn't know that fact. <laughs> but I feel but like it's like. Facts. Ever since it got announced, Eddie Kingston's been so hyped for that event in at Arthur it, Ashe Stadium. It, 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 is it Rampage or is it Dynamite in Dynamite. It's Dynamite in Arthur Ashe, yeah. So that's what it says. That's what it says to me. It's gotta be, isn't it? So I'd say Miro, but purely because I think Miro's been so good with the TNT title. Oh, but he has been good. Mm. He's been so good with the title. So keep it on him for a little while longer. I say. Uh, we have the Women's Casino Battle Royale. Uh, Reardon, would you like me to read out all the competitors for you so you can pick? Or is it just going to be Jade Cargill? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, you, can, you, can, you can say the list, but you know my pick. Like... <laughs> hey, yo, Sam, I'm just saying, though, Jade, yo, Jade Cargill versus Jamie Hayter, though? That would be I, an amazing match. I see you. I see you. I see you. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a little, it's a little bit difficult to say because obviously you have Riho, Nyla, and Hikaru Shida all in and around there. Yeah. Um, because I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Are you saying that they're going to have Rebel win it? <laughs> no. To turn on Britt Baker. <laughs> I think Thunder Rosa's going to win it. Okay, that's fair. That's actually valid. I, I, I honestly think they might be setting up for that uh, the rematch of that incredible match they had last year. No, uh, that is fair. That um, is fair. But uh, I guess the question, the ultimate question is, who do you think is going to be the Joker? Uh, respectfully, real realistically, the way I'm looking at it, I figure it's probably got to be either Ruby Soho hmm. or maybe at a stretch it might be someone from say TJPW or Japan because hmm. there is a rumour and I know a lot of people making it as a rumour it's a lot of dream fantasy booking a lot of people saying but uh, how about uh, a certain Mrs. Brooks making her return to wrestling as well. A lot of people really kind of want to see AJ Lee back wrestling, don't I they? I mean, that is that is a choice. That is certainly a choice. I don't say I hate it, but I don't know how feasible it is. I'd like to see Ruby Soho. Honest. My, yeah. my honest pick would be I'd love to see Ruby Soho. Yeah, Ruby Soho, and if they're going off, like, the super far, super, like, Absolute in in my head, contextually super absurd. Uh, I'm gonna say Venny, aka Asuka Ooh. from um, Japan. She competed in the AEW Women's Eliminator yep. tournament. Um, you know, if you want to go, if you want to go like super left field with it, 
Uh, we have Chris Jericho versus MJF with Chris Jericho's AEW in-ring career on the line. I, I genuinely don't know about this one. Well, the problem I feel like I have with this one is it's largely being dictated by which one I like less. <laughs> uh, and right now that's MJF, so I guess I want Chris Jericho to win. <laughs> Um, my mind, yeah, I, I'd say I'd go for Jericho because he has in his books, he has said in interviews, he does not want a ceremonious retirement from in-ring competition. He just wants to walk into the sunset and that's it. But then again, he could be a bit, he could be lying. His mind could have changed by the time he was he yeah. had finished re- uh, writing a, um, a lion's tale. So I don't know. Uh, I'd say Jericho wins this one. I'll I'll say Jericho. What do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah, Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go for Jericho. <laughs> and then your main event: CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Oh, this is so tough. In all honesty. Because, like, it could go either way. It really that's, could. That's genuinely what it is. And I was thinking, like, do I predict a, like, a no contest? <laughs> See, yeah, I wanted to predict a no contest, but no, people would be so angry. Uh, it's a count-out draw. No, uh, <laughs> no I, 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 reckon, uh, I reckon it might be punk. It might be punk, I reckon. It's Chicago. It's been seven years. I don't think a lot of people are going to, you know, be upset if by the result of Punk coming back and winning. Um, I, well, I say that there probably will be some, at least one person that will be upset about seeing Punk winning. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, 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 it's a difficult one, honestly, for me, because I, I am there and I'm like, if CM Punk does come back and then beats Allen, who, you know, contextually around everything else, I'm like, nah. Same. But, but um, you know, clearly AEW have a lot of investment in him. Yeah. Having him lose to someone who's returning after seven years does seem like a bit of a shot in the foot. Yeah. So this one, cause yeah, again, it's just like, I, this but, one's so but difficult. Again, I, I, I wonder if I'm just thinking about it too much. And I'm like, look, it's in Chicago. It Honestly, for what they've put behind Alan and he's got Sting as well, I don't think it's going to make much difference if he loses. No, honestly. Um, oh, a couple of things, actually, while we're talking on here and all out. Um, Paul White versus QT Marshall. I feel that's a sh- that should have been a match on Dynamite, but we're getting oh, yeah. it here. Paul White's going to win, <laughs> obviously. Tall Paul. Uh, and John Moxley. Uh, John Moxley and Satoshi Kojima. I'm so looking forward to that match. That match is going to be stiffer than a baguette that's been left out in the air for four days. Uh, there yeah. is a reason why he is the leader of Bread Club there, Dan. Yes. <laughs> and Andrade's Open Challenge... Do you? I I I I, I want to tame my excitement, but I I genuinely think this might be it, boys. It might actually be Brian. Uh, That's the thing. Put yourself to hope. Do not give in to hope. Well, no, because that's the thing, right? So obviously that was the the plan match was him versus Pac, 
which is now happening on Rampage after all out. Yeah. Mm. Because I think it was that there were there was like travel issues for pack and they were like you we won't be able to travel in mm. in time after taking another booking or something. Yeah. Mm. Um I'm choosing to believe that he just got stuck in Newcastle, but that's probably wrong. <laughs> He's in a nightclub in Newcastle somewhere, not being able to get out. I mean, a nightclub in Newcastle is like the Feywilds, so... <laughs> um, so, while I, I do understand the hype around Daniel Bryan, unless this is like a gigantic work and there are no travel issues. <laughs> um, so, I mean, for me, what I would love to see is I'd love to see some you know, like a talent that came from that was coming from Mexico or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Like if they had I don't know, Laredo kid. Oh I wouldn't be disappointed in that. Maybe Vikingo or El Hijo del mm. Vikingo, but then again they don't have enough scaffolding around the ring for him probably <laughs> to climb around like a spider monkey. Um so yeah, I'm I'm a little bit stuck on this one. I guess the question then is, do you chaps think that Brian Danielson will make his debut uh, at All Out? Possible. I'd actually think more likely. Hmm. I'm going to say yes. A tentative yes from me. Tentative? Why tentative? I, I, I don't know. I feel Because like we I, know what it feels like to hope and have our dreams dashed from us. I feel it's a lot of that is fans have been building up. <laughs> <laughs> that is there. Yeah. yeah. Fans, fans have been building all of this up as well to this Fiora, to like this powder keg that could go off with a bang or a whimper. And I'm mm. kind of scared that if it doesn't go off, what the reaction will be. Murder. The reaction will be murder. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it will. But honestly, yeah, I think he. I, if he does, man, it'll be amazing. I said this I said this on Twitter when Punk came back. If he comes back to the final countdown, I will be cutting my hair. <laughs> Big if true. Big if true. I swear to God, if Tony Khan has spoken has spent the money to get the licensing for the final countdown holy crap people are gonna lose their shit honestly how much how much can europe charge well apparently respectfully i think europe can charge a lot because it's the only thing anyone's ever gonna want to license off them (laughs) yes apparently they chart they were charged they were trying to charge six figures for ring of honor to use the final countdown at pay-per-views so that's why uh, Ring of Honor never used it for pay-per-views. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they'll be pretty relaxed now because they weren't actually using uh, Final Countdown with their permission. Because like like every indie, they were just using music without, <laughs> without <Yeah>. permission. <laughs> you get the venue, uh, you know, a, a license to play music and then you just insist that it's happening in the background and not for the wrestling show. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I know some promotions that have done that, by the way. <laughs> yes. Oh man. So it's gonna it's gonna be exciting. I am going to uh possibly stay up. There is a very likely chance that I'm gonna stay up and watch it. 
Um, if not, I well, definitely... as I as I said to the guys over, um, I believe it's I believe it's Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Um, and I was talking to them, and I was like, "Well, my options are either don't watch it and just catch up when I get back from work, or <laughs> I stay, I go to sleep super early." stay up and watch it and then just stay awake until which time I would need to get up for work. <laughs> oh. By the time it finishes, it would be like 3 a.m., right? About that, yeah. I have yeah, to get up for work at 6.45 a.m. Yeah, three hours is more than enough. <laughs> so I'm just saying, it's a possibility, but not a good one. <laughs> for any under-18s or people that uh, don't have a job that listen this don't take my advice <laughs> do not listen to dan for the love of god oh yeah don't do what i did and then end up watching wrestlemania 20 not getting any sleep and going to school the next day so maybe honestly you've made the right call <laughs> yeah but school you can just vibe your you can vibe your way through the day yeah <laughs> for the most part but uh uh with that dan are we done with the news we are absolutely awesome reardon I have a recommendation myself, but do you have one for recommendation corner? To be quite honest, I do not. It's been a bit of a busy. I haven't really watched a lot of stuff apart from Shang Chi, which I recommended last week. Yes, and was right to recommend. It's a good movie. Go check it out. <laughs> we'll but, yeah, do. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead. What do you got for us? Uh, basically, I've got the all-out predictions from New Legacy Inc., which was hilarious. If you've not gone and seen the uh, the uh, the highlights pack uh, video on uh, YouTube, go out and watch it. It's so it's so funny. Can I jump in for recommendation corner for a second? Of course you can, Dan. Uh, first thing I would like to recommend are the lovely guys over at Damn Events. Uh, they had a great uh, kind of double feature episode talking about <laughs> representation in wrestling uh with the lovely jenna mm-hmm. uh, which is absolutely amazing um also their most recent episode I, I believe the most recent episode as of this episode going out uh where they had their lovely in-house uh, co-host and graphic designer butcher talking about the new nxt logo and just eviscerating it for seven minutes which i by the way was an absolute highlight and a joy to listen to <laughs> Oh my goodness! I I think I might have to listen to that. It's one. so good. It's you know, like when you see those things on YouTube that are like, uh, blank expert talks about things in you know talks about like their subject in like a game or whatever. Absolutely. And like they're just like everything's wrong. The this is going the wrong way. That doesn't work. <laughs> It was just like that, but for graphic design. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. Um, also want to give a quick shout-out to the guys over at WrestleBuddy. Uh, as you will see coming up uh, by the time that this is released as well, uh, you will see our Quiz Showdown episode featuring us against two of their finest representatives yeah. uh, in a battle of quizzing. Oh, it was an absolute blast to be a part of that. And the WrestleBuddy guys are so freaking cool, so give them a look for sure. And you might even see us around there again, potentially maybe depending. Ooh, light spoilers, <laughs> uh, possibly. <laughs> light, light spoilers. Um, and then just finally, um, I know most people uh, listening to this episode may this may be completely out of their wheelhouse but uh if you are interested in it there's a really really cool band out there called ginger who are a uh, ukrainian metal band 
Um, they're amazing, and they've just released their most recent album, and it's absolutely killer. So Ooh. check out Ginger if you like, like your modern metal. Nice, nice. Before I get on to the episode, I just want to remind everyone that we are, of course, are on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag. There we are uh, releasing episodes a day early for access, and we've got a bunch of tiers and a bunch of subscription levels with a bunch of awesome perks there. So uh, it does help the show massively, it keeps us going, keeps the light on here at Chinwag Towers. So that is patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag. But with that, it is time to get on to our first episode of Mexican Heritage Month, the El Santo Retrospective. I rolled my R there without even realizing I did. Fun fact, I can't roll R's. <laughs> really? Oh no, I you're can't do it. I can't do it. I have to have like a like a liter and a half of water to be able to roll my R's. <laughs> it's funny because I can, I can do the more difficult one from the back of the throat. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, yeah, I can't do the easy one <laughs> because, of course. <laughs> anyway, back on track. Anyway, yes. Oh man. So before we get on, and I go through the entire, like the the well, not through the entire career because there is a career that spans five decades. But some of the most notable notes of his career. What was your guys' knowledge of El Santo beforehand? My to show you how big he is. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but I'm just going to make sense in just a second. When I watched Coco, <laughs> the movie Coco, mm. I was already well aware of how big El Santo was in Mexico, mm. right? Yeah. And I just looked it up. There are numerous like celebrity cameos to like celebrities that you know have died. Yeah. In you know in Coco because you know you got to do that kind of stuff, right? Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Disney heads, because I know you're out there. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but El Santo is the only celebrity in that movie mentioned by name, straight up. I, I believe he is. He's the only one that actively, there is an actual, like the movie takes a moment, like a good solid 30 seconds to acknowledge that El Santo is in this movie. He is represented in this movie. Like, so I know That's that there's how... like a, a, I know there's a cameo, like a Frida Kahlo cameo in the yes. film. But I genuinely, yeah, I think you're right. I think El Santo is the only one mentioned by name in Coco. Yeah. Which kind of, really emphasizes just how big El Santo is. <laughs> even even the mouse was willing to bow to El Santo. <laughs> the mouse yep. took 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 the, the mouse paid the respects due. <laughs> <laughs> like that is it is insane. It's probably he probably is the biggest wrestler that we've ever talked about on this show in terms of in terms of like cultural impact in a country. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it's the thing I was gonna say, which is that like honestly, before kind of getting around this, or at least before, you know, say like twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen when I was starting to uh we'll say twenty nineteen actually when I was starting to, like, expand my wrestling knowledge beyond the confines of, like, North America. Mm. 
basically, if you saw a character in a show or anything about wrestling that even vaguely touched on it, the character was basically solely based on El Santo. Yeah. Like, the easiest way to describe it is he is, like, in in a weird way, kind of, like, <laughs> the common ancestor. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like, he is, like, the... Um, I don't know how you describe it. He is, like, the visual plan of what a luchador is to most people in their brain without actually even knowing who he is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. When you think about it, right? Like your art, yeah, your art. That's it. The archetypal luchador has an El Santo style mask, wearing the tights. Yep. And like when you think about it, that's now become basically standard wear for most, if not say, eighty percent of luchadors. Yeah. And then that's carried on beyond the frame of the cultural reference of just Mexico to becoming basically a universal thing. <laughs> it's it's amazing, really. I, I know. the fir- My first knowledge of El Santo, funnily enough, came from uh, the wrestling channel, and they used to show CMLL, and they actually used to show kind of like old, old CMLL matches, and they had some uh, in his... I think I I could swear it was probably his last run, like his farewell to- farewell tour in nineteen eighty two, um, and it was then you kind of realize like the from the fan reaction it was like this guy is a big deal. It wasn't until I was watching Mucha Lucha and El Tigre. See, that, that's what I mean. The Adventures oh, of Danny yeah. Riviera was one of those shows. Yeah, that this that those shows were inspired directly. But from El Santo, and it was like, yeah, wow, this guy's huge in Mexico. Right now, I have Mucha Lucha's theme song in my head again. Great, <laughs> it's a way of oh, life, Reardon. Oh no! <laughs> Shall I move on to the retrospective then? Let's go. Let us go. So let's start with the early years, like we always do with these retrospectives. Born Rodolfo Guzman Huerta in September 1917, he was the fifth of seven children who grew up in Hidalgo, Mexico. In the 1920s, his family moved to Mexico City, where he took an interest in baseball and American football before setting his eyes on professional wrestling. But before that, he learned jiu-jitsu before getting into serious um, training in professional wrestling. His interest, funnily enough, came from his brother, Miguel, who entered the business and had moderate success as Black Guzman, uh, named Black Guzman for his dark skin. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's just problematic on all sorts of levels, isn't it? it I mean, it, it, so this was the, the 20s? This was the 1920s, yeah. Okay. okay. To be quite honest, for the 1920s, that's pretty woke. <laughs> yeah, say, like, for, for the 1920s, that's not the worst, I don't think. No, <laughs> yeah, that's... yeah. Uh, All right, fair enough. Carry on. So, uh, his brother uh, Miguel is famous though for inventing the head scissors technique used the world over by high flyers and luchadors. So basically, all the flippy dippy, uh, all the flippy dippy stuff, Ridden, you got to blame Black Guzman. Well, you take the good with the bad. What can I say? <laughs> See, everyone that complains about um, 
you know, indie wrestlers doing doing flippy stuff. That's who you have to answer to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. Us. Go, go talk to El Santos family. Yeah, I'm sure you have to. You have to answer the spirits. <laughs> yes, yes. You have to answer to the to the Guzman family. Do you think you can do it? No. no, I don't think he could, no. <laughs> so let's go on to his wrestling career. He received training from his brother and wrestler Diablo Velasco and made his appearance. Oh, that's a banger name. I know. Yeah. Such an yeah. amazing name. Quick caveat, actually. We apologize because we're going to be butchering these names. Oh, yeah. We By the way, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to yeah. be, I am uh, going to be just, butchering these just names. Just to confirm, no one at the Sweet Chin Mike actually speaks Spanish. Wanted to learn to speak Spanish for the record. Wanted to learn. I tried my best and researched as much kind of like video and audio text as I, uh, audio uh, research as I could to try and pronounce these names correctly. I am working with a bunged up nose as well. You cannot say that we aren't trying. (laughs) (laughs) So I am working with a bunged up nose. So I'm trying. So please do apologize. I mean, have a go, have a go at me at Twitter as well if I get all of these names wrong. But yes, please uh, do. <laughs> but as I said, yes, he was trained by his brother and Diablo Velasco and made his debut and first appearance in 1934 or 1935. Accounts vary, but supposedly he made his first appearance in a show in Arena Paravilo Cuzamel or Deportivo Ilas. One of the two arenas he made his debut in, but again, again, because accounts were so sparse it's difficult to pinpoint what year he actually made his debut yeah what Mm. is known is that in the mid to late 30s he regularly worked in mexico city wrestling under many monikers wrestling as rudy guzman el hombre rojo el dimeno negro and el murcielago the second the latter of which got him into trouble with the original Earl Murcielago. And after an appeal by the uh, to the Mexican Boxing and Wrestling Commission, the regulatory body ruled that Guzman could not use the name because he kind of used it without permission whilst he was still wrestling. <laughs> All right. That's a, that's a big no-no. <laughs> so, two things here. One, a lot of wrestling history reminds me of... Uh, 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 so a friend of mine went to university to to study history, and he did his final like uh, his dissertation uh, about ancient Roman history. And he said one part of it is that you know with with those accounts, sometimes events are just described in the most random places that make no sense. <laughs> yeah, and the other things that were super important, just people kept no record of. Yeah, second of all. Yeah, I'm no. glad to know that the Lutra tradition <laughs> of using property that is not yours <laughs> is very rich in time. Yes. <laughs> you know, I just find uh, yeah. I thought you were actually really quick sidebar, I thought you were gonna say your friend was gonna be complaining about how the Romans used to just take each other's <laughs> names <laughs> to, 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 to like to get like the, the actual like social hierarchy, because that's how it happened here. It's okay. nice to know that like okay, I can I can tell you one thing about this, which is that he was re- he was researching he was trying to research this uh, like it was like some kind of event that happened in like the Roman Senate. Yes. And literally the account starts by saying, I was not there, but I spoke <laughs> to someone who knew someone that was there. Amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
so wow. when you try and research like old wrestling stuff with the exception of like very few cases <laughs> it's literally like you will find like maybe someone's archived the poster or something mm. or you'll have like a single account <laughs> but that's it <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, it's why I, just I it, love that he fully walked in and went, I am the second El Murcielago. And, the, and then the other one's still alive. Yeah, it's not even like he was dead. <laughs> he was still there, still wrestling. Wait, he's not related to me. Get out of here. Wait, who are you? I am El Hijo, El Murcielago. You're not the son of me. Get out of here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I rate the hustle, though. <laughs> you got to. You got to. <laughs> That's a, uh, uh, you got to respect that for sure. But uh, yeah, let's get to 1942. Guzman was given a new character after lightly being inspired by the film The Man in the Iron Mask. I don't like the cultural impact that versions of that movie have had on people. Yeah. I don't feel like it should have been that as significant as it ever was to both times. Now the, wait, 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 wait. Now the wait, wait, what's, the, what's, what's the other one? <laughs> the one that had, um, well, it was like, wasn't know, actually like a Three Musketeers movie. Oh, yeah, there was one with Leonardo DiCaprio. I know that. Yeah, yeah, which surprised me. And then there was there was this there was this one in there was a, there was one in like they said here 1942. Yeah. So it would have been. I think it would have been the. Yeah, it would have been the 19. Uh, I think it was 39 version. That would have been. That tracks. I think it's 39. My my film knowledge my film knowledge nowadays isn't very great now because I keep researching. I don't know. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I feel like the man in the iron mask doesn't warrant as much cultural impact as it had. <laughs> uh, the surprising one is that Guzman was actually inspired by the Leo version. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's all the future. <laughs> His manager, uh, Don Jesus Lamelli, suggested three names: El Diablo, El Angel, or El Santo. Well, those are all a little bit on the nose. They... <laughs> but they... I have a feeling I knew what he was going for. <laughs> but it is the saint that is what stood out to Guzman, and thus El Santo was born. Now, before the glory days of Lucha, wrestlers at that time were usually unmasked, and they would wrestle in small regional promotions across the country honing their craft, which was a good thing because, you know, without, you know, television being in, like, being as accessible as it is today, they could keep identities kind of safe, and they would keep, you know, within the bubble of their own kind of region. But in the boom period of the 1930s, one promoter named Salvador Lutarov González, in his promotion, Empresa Mundial de Lucha Libre, introduced a wrestler called El Enmascarado, or the masked man in English, to the crowds of Mexico City. It brought an almost mythical air to the matches, because now you were seeing literal superheroes battling it out in the middle of the ring. It's just having that one little detail of putting a man in a mask that kind of lifted the, the, the mythical nature of the wrestlers in the ring. It, I, it is what I say to people. The fun, the things that got me into wrestling was a kid because it looked like some absolute Power Rangers-ish yeah. kind of stuff. You're just like, how do people do this? And I don't, any like that thing of just seeing the person be like, oh my God. <laughs> the the, fun, the funniest thing here uh, I found in my research is that El Enmascarado was actually American. Wow. Yeah. There you go. 
How about that? <laughs> so there you go. Goes to goes to EMLL, and one of the very first luchadors is in fact American. <laughs> But uh, the reason I bring this up is that El Santo decided to double down on this concept by com complementing his silver mask with a garish cape. And, it, and he immediately gained popularity in EMLL. Uh, his debut match, uh, funnily enough, he was only billed as Santo, uh, saw him win an eight-man battle royal. And immediately, boom, as I said, he is I'm not going to make the joke. I'm not going to make the joke. <laughs> <laughs> what, John Cena wins lol? No, or El Santo wins lol. Uh, no, eight-man battle royal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah. You know exactly what I'm going to say. Oh, no. Boom, boom. Um, funny enough, he in these first couple of matches, he would face someone in these uh, like multi-man matches, uh, someone by the name of Bobby Roode. Funnily enough, it's not the Bobby Roode. <laughs> I'm fairly sure it's not the Bobby Roode. I, I, as, look, TNA was a while ago, but I don't think it was that far. <laughs> I wanted to put bring it up in case somebody asked if Bobby Roode was wrestling in 1945. <laughs> the answer is yes, he has aged terrifically. He has, hasn't he just? <laughs> anyway, uh, the mystique of El Santo was made and established early, with him never taking his mask off wherever he went. So like, public appearances, award ceremonies, gala balls. The mask of El Santo stayed firmly on his head and thus made high-stakes matches more lucrative. You know, Gonzalez would frequently book Lucha de Espuestas, or I think it's matches with wages, as it's translated to in English, yeah. uh, or as we know them, mask versus hair matches, with Santo always coming up as the winner. But with that stipulation, people wanted to be in the arenas to see if, oh, could this be the time that El Santo loses? Or, like, we want to see El Santo win because, you know, he's the superhero. We don't want to see him unmasked. Yeah, I can't lie. They... They really came into the bag with that one. Yeah. yeah. They had that figured. <laughs> I mean, credit where credit's uh, due to Salvador Gonzalez. Like, he knew what he was doing booking those sorts yeah. of matches. So the 40s and 50s are considered the golden age of Lucha Libre, and Santo was front and center there. He frequently topped the cards in, in, uh, in events in Mexico City, and went and gone up against legends in the country, such as Cabanero Galindo, Gori Guerrero, Blue Demon, Mil Mascaras, and Pedro Aguayo. He frequently paired, actually, with Gori Guerrero to form the pair La Parea Atomica, or the Atomic Pair. And these guys, my goodness, a legendary tag team. They have picked up, they picked up so many tag titles in their time, in their years. Well, I was going to say, because Gory Guerrero is basically one of the, well, at least seen as one of the forefathers for a lot of um, American professional wrestling still anyway. Yeah. Um, again, like... Just... I mean, it's the Guerrero family. <laughs> exactly. The legacy speaks for themselves. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the 50s was actually see Santo become very prolific with capturing two of the most iconic and oldest titles in wrestling history. The, Max, uh, sorry, <clears throat> the Mexican National Welterweight Championship and the NWA Middleweight Championship. 
two fun facts. Reardon, the Mexican National Welterweight Championship is still active in CMLL to this day. Great. <laughs> that, is, that is how old that title is. And another yeah. fun fact, Santo held the NWA title... Actually, I want you to get how many days, combined days, did El Santo hold the NWA middleweight championship? Considering five decades, I'm going to say at least at least around six hundred days. Mm, Red uh, dancer. Um, well, I'm just trying to think because when WWE had the San Martino. <laughs> but he did something fucking ridiculous, like three thousand or something. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'll go. I'm just gonna assume he was like a full on like national hero, so he was probably they're just like you know what, let's just give him like two thousand days. Hmm. I can tell you that El Santo held the title for a combined one thousand and ninety four days. There you go. <laughs> so Reardon was closest, so he wins. <laughs> I mean, should, should I should I throw in a little bit of context about how titles are in Mexico? Absolutely. Because I think an important thing that people might need to understand about this is that actually in Lucha Libre, titles aren't really seen as that important. Mm. Or at least really? not, in, not in the same sense that they are in american professional wrestling so like in lucha titles can kind of just go undefended for like months <laughs> <laughs> and like obviously when there is a title match it is important mm. but it's not like everything builds up to a title match yeah right everything kind of builds up to like personal rivalries it's... Hence why, like, a lot of old Lucha has kind of, you know, like, these, like, semi-generational rivalries. So, like, as I assume we'll get to, like, El Santo and Blue Demon. Yeah. Uh... Where, like, everything was always about them coming back to face each other rather than necessarily, say, the title they were holding. Yeah, like, generational kind of, like, rivalries is such a staple in Mexico to the point and, where like, you get... And, like, there is an established thing of, like, wrestlers retiring passing the mask onto their sons and then their sons continuing that rivalry it's so comic book it's amazing that it, it, it sounds less comic booky and more game of thronesy frankly <laughs> george rr R. martin books triple a book it no <laughs> so one of his most iconic matches in this time was uh, was in a tag match against the team known as Los Hermanos Shadow, the Black Shadow and Blue Demon. In this match, Santo removed the mask of Shadow, causing his noted rival, Blue Demon, to turn Technico, or good guy. Their rivalry now based in respect and loyalty, Santo and Demon had massively iconic matches in 1952 and 1953, solidifying their rivalry as one of Mexico's cultural touchstones. Uh, should we do a quick Pokedex for Lucha terminology? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, no, is, it's okay. I'll, I'll, no, I'll take it over for you because I can't oh, oh, <laughs> Pokedex. Technico. In Lucha, it basically means a good guy 
and uh, what we would normally call a heel uh, in Mexican wrestling is called a rudo. Correcto. Um, they are a little bit more nuanced than face and heel, but to get into the fine print is kind of not really necessary. Basically, if they're wearing a if they're wearing a dark coloured mask, they're most likely a bad guy. <laughs> yes. That is pretty much how it goes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this though brings us to El Santo's film career. Oh. oh <laughs> Oh, How are you going to explain this one? Oh man, I'm going to explain this one. I guess, oh, this is, oh, researching this was so much goddamn fun. Anyway, so all this talk brings me to El Santo's uncanny knack of capitalizing on new media when it was introduced to Mexico. Like as soon as he saw it, he was able to generate fans from it. Or fans, I should say, from it. The prime example, his comic books. In 1951, noted comic writer Jose Guadalupe Cruz produced a comic book of El Santo that lasted for 35 years uninterrupted. What? A whole uninterrupted? Are you serious? <laughs> serious. Jesus Christ. Some of his most famous storylines saw him fighting mummies, witches, zombies, and most notable and probably bizarre, El Santo uh, faced and thwarted the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Now that's one hell of a handicap yes. match. <laughs> yes. Well, can, we, can, can we confirm that El Santo does or does not exist in the Marvel Universe? <laughs> that's a, legitimately, that's a good question. That's would, a legitimately good question. I would love to think that one day, if there was like a, like the Mexican arm of Marvel Comics was able to kind of do a reprint of the Santo comics, then in the, in like in you, the MCU... Remember, we remember have, what we said, right? Which was um, uh, the what if... Spider-Man stayed as a wrestler. Mm. Mm. Oh, like just like that, but also it has El Santo in it. Could you imagine? Like, what if season two is Spider-Man as a wrestler and El Santo is like his mentor? You know, it's like it. It's like um, I mean, for for anyone that doesn't know how Marvel comics works, basically every single setting in which something takes place is a different designated version of earth yeah yes <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong the normal canon is earth one six one six yeah leaves yes yeah 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 so like if there was one where like spider-man became spider-man in mexico in like the 30s and then became a luchador and then also had el santo and blue demon and mil mascaris <laughs> So apparently he is not in it, but that actually surprises me, to be quite frank. Frankly, they're just wrong. <laughs> Although there is, I would like to I would like to bring your attention, gentlemen, to a, a bootleg Turkish film with an unlicensed version of El Santo known as Captain America and Santo versus Spider-Man. Versus Spider-Man, hell yes. I love that there's now an established rich canon of bootleg Turkish films. <laughs> yes. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, look up the words Turkish Star Wars. Oh, that's oh, that is. 
it's a classic that in, is the, a in the internet movie classic. world. <laughs> but with all this being said, the comics built up more popularity for the character and for El Santo, which just saw him elevate to a level not unlike Superman in the United States. Yeah. Like, this is how popular he became. He's a genuine cultural phenomenon. But all of this became set in stone with his movies. Over 25 years, El Santo starred in over 50 films. Now, with these films, at times starring alongside his friends Blue Demon and Mil Mascaras, he became a national treasure in Mexico. Now, you may be asking the question, what did he do in these films? Oh, oh, what did he do in these films? Basically, right, the plots of all of most of, if not all of these films was El Santo was the crime-fighting superhero beating up any man- manner of monsters, villains, and secret agents. Like, like seriously, all of them consisted of, like, monster or villain of the week planning to take over the world. El Santo appears when the cops need help and twats the villain in the face. End. Hell, I appreciate yeah. the hustle. Like I can't lie, I love it. <laughs> he know he knows what he's good at. <laughs> yeah, like Chief he knows Man... the he knows the assignment. It's yeah. like you know what I don't need anything more, anything less. Oh, uh, just like Chickly made B movie schlock, and God, I love them for it. <laughs> I love them for it. So, a question here while while we're here: Have any of you guys seen an El Santo film? Unfortunately not. Which is weird because like they're everywhere. I should have seen one down the grapevine. But uh, unfortunately I have not. So I I haven't seen a full movie, but one thing so I've seen a a clip from one of them mm. which I Again, I, I can't say I know exactly for sure what the title of the movie is. <laughs> but I've also seen a, a screen cut away from another one, which is El Santo, Blue, Blue Demon, and Mil Mascaras. I believe against vampires or Dracula specifically. <laughs> okay, so for my research, I watched a, a few of them. But just for like historical context, I ended up watching El Santo versus the Vampire Women off by an off chance because as everyone knows that was the subject of a Mystery Science Theatre 3000 episode. Of course. <laughs> and did, little did I know little did I know then that I was watching an absolute classic <laughs> but the one you're talking about Dan I believe is Santo and Blue Demon versus Dracula and there the Wolfman. There Why? <laughs> What? Which I've seen, and it's amazing. I don't care. Next time we're all together in person, we might just have to do that. You know what? I am 100% down. Like uh, This won't this won't be streamed, though. This is this is for our viewing. Oh, only. yeah. Absolutely. Um, I ended up watching his first film, which was Sento vs. The Evil Brain, which, again, it's just like an evil scientist gimmick, and Sento beats them up, and it's like, yep. A quick, quick question. Is it like... Is Santo fighting a literal evil brain or just like a man called the evil brain? A man called the evil brain, basically. Oh, that's disappointing. Okay, side question. <laughs> Has El Santo ever been in an episode of Scooby-Doo? You'd think so. Alas, he I don't think he has oh. been. 
That's disappointing. These are missed opportunities, man. That's disappointing. I would have thought. I would have thought that he would have been in <laughs> during that weird celebrity period. Yeah, this is wrong. That's wrong. If you'd oh, like to know as well, uh, Reardon, uh, he's also fought Doctor Frankenstein and Frankenstein's daughter. Excellent. <laughs> He he is starred alongside Broody Modern Middle Basculas in the Bermuda Mystery. And his last film in 1982 that was filmed in Florida, which I had the pleasure of seeing, was Sento in the Fury of the Karate Experts. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know why, but the addition of the word experts on the end kills me. <laughs> now, the, here's the thing, though. I will say this. I did look it up. Um, El Santo in comic book form modern comic book form specifically has met Batman oh, oh hell yeah because I, I looked it up he has a cameo in the Batman 66 comics oh yes he does so he has officially he, El Santo and Batman have been in the same room Adam West Batman specifically Hell, Hell yes. yes. <laughs> you know what? Screw it. Real quick. Ridden recommends the Batman 66 comic. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Absolutely go for it. Uh, so it's safe to say as we got onto the next chapter of pop co- of a pop culture icon. By the late 70s and 80s, Santo was an integral part of Mexican history. His movies and comics were cultural touchstones and he was a famous figure across the country. I mean, that's that that's that's you know that's that that that, that just goes unsaid by, by what yeah. we talked about already. But his body was wearing down at this time, and by 1982, he decided that uh, this is it. He would embark on one last farewell tour of sorts to have the people come and see their hero one last time. His last match was in UWA, where he coached his longtime partner, Gory Guerrero, out of retirement for one final match. A two out of three falls, eight man tag match, with Santo, Gory, Huracan Ramirez, and El Solitaro getting the win against the team of Los Misioneros de la Muerte, the team of El Sino, El Tesano, <clears throat> t- yeah, no, that is pronounced, yeah, El, T- El Tejano, sorry, El Tejano, yeah. sorry, and Negro Navarro, and long t- uh, and with their long-time rival, Pero Aguayo. A year after his retirement, Santo appeared on a talk show where he unexpectedly removed his mask for the first time in public. It was kind of like a, a peep and you'll miss it kind of thing. Uh, completely unexpected and much the shock of the audience that was there. Uh, there was audible gasps. I've actually gone back and fortunately I did find a clip of it and there was audible gasps. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I have seen did, that footage. Uh, when he did remove his mask. It was a it was his way basically of saying of symbolically saying goodbye to the character that gave him so much success over the decades. But in a weird turn and, and kind of uh upsetting turn turn of events it actually became the final goodbye of el santo as rodolfo guzman huerta passed away on the 5th of february 1984 one week oh. after the program had aired that that is spooky as hell that fact yeah that, that, like it's quite a sobering fact that literally he takes off the mask and then a week later he's gone that 
that oh, that fact always kind of like oh there's something about it yeah it's spooky of, yeah, yeah. It, it, it harkened i mean for me it reminded me uh it, it's it's on on the same level as as warrior doing that speech uh on the raw after mania and then the, the day after he passed away mm. um so yeah uh, uh a, a couple of weeks after uh during his funeral uh, at his funeral the streets were packed with people on the day bidding their farewells to one of mexico's national treasures i mean he had like a parade of people on on the roads that is kind of only reserved for kind of like like absolute like heroes and cultural touchstones of your country of the world uh that's how that's how big el santo was so the last part the legacy of el santo so it's safe to say for all of this we we've we've you know it's safe to say el santo has become an iconic figure in Mexican history. I'd say if there was like ever a Mount Rushmore, I guess he 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 he's he, the El Santo is there, like front and center. Yeah. I mean that's that's the oh, thing. Really. It's like when, as like I said at the start, he is the luchador. Mm. Yeah, like he is the embodiment of the word luchador to so many people, even if they don't necessarily know him. Mm. So I feel like when you've got to that point, you've already kind of transcended beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So many statues have been erected as well in El Santo's likeness. The most famous one being in his hometown in Hildago in Mexico. Uh, and many other statues around Mexico City have been created since then. His legacy, of course, still lives on with his uh, youngest son carrying on the legend of the silver mask and wrestling as El Hijo del Santo. While not being on as big of an icon as his father, he is still considered quite a technically proficient wrestler and is still maintaining the rivalry with Blue Demon, with Blue Demon Jr. <laughs> yep. Damn right, um, damn right. It, ne the, it never ends. <laughs> In the 1960s, enough, a female wrestler called La, La Novea del Santo, uh, Spanish for the Bride of El Santo, worked the Mexican circuit. Uh, given was and El Santo actually gave him, uh, gave her his blessing, and was the very first wrestler outside of his family to uh, adopt uh, the El Santo gimmick. Nice. But uh, only wrestled uh, the person under the mask. A wrestler called Irma Gonzalez only wrestled for seven months as La uh, La, La Novea del uh, del Santo until she got married. Uh, so it put a stop oh. to, to the to the character <laughs> that, to yeah, the bride that, of that, that, I was like, why? And then it's like, ah, no, that that actually that really tracks. Okay, <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, and there's been a little, a lot of legal trouble actually because uh, of uh, of of Santo's grandchildren and 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 uh, family kind of getting into dispute of who should be carrying on the name of El Santo. And there's yeah. been kind of like a back and forth of, of there's even been court cases as well about about the licensing. Because I was going to say because I remember because I know there's obviously his son El Hijo del Santo, then his grandson as well. I believe yeah, yeah. it was his grandson. Yeah. Um, who who I can't remember they like like oh, he was wrestling as like the grandson of El Santo, 
And they were like, is he allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I think the legal trouble was that El, uh, El Hijo del Santo uh, said that he had owned all of the all of the rights to the Santo gimmick. Yeah. Um, but I believe... I believe... Uh, the grandson actually won that court case? I think he won, but then I think he decided to change his name anyway. I believe he did. Um, I think it was Axel, I believe he changed his name to. Yeah. Um, but I believe that El Hijo del Santo began working a few years ago as El Santo Jr. Uh, nowadays. So that's the yeah. name he goes by. Um, fortunately enough, uh, El Santo was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2018, but he was part of the legacy inductees. Those are the ones that yeah. kind of don't get mentioned during the ceremony, which, if you ask me, it well, does not it, make it, sense. It, no, but the thing is, though, is that with with wwe it's like they they how do i say this they've got to do certain things to keep the hall of fames i'm using air quotes here legitimacy that's yeah so for, so, for every drew carey there's an there's a there's a el santo because also like if it was just a straight up hall of fame then you'd have like so many people from before and they just induct them with no fear but then like you know the the prospect of inducting a person who pretty much oh, I don't I don't believe he ever had any ties to WWE. No, <laughs> no I don't think so. No. So but... inducting inducting him uh, like and then like mentioning him by name, regardless of the context, but it probably was weirdly scary to them. So they were like, "Oh, we'll do him as part of the legacy group." Then yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, show you how big he was back in 2016 to honor his 99th birthday. Google actually did a doodle. An El Santo Google Doodle for that day. Which is weird. Why didn't they go for the hundredth? I'm very confused. I know, they right? I would have made it the hundredth. Why would you why would you stop at ninety-nine? That's just arbitrary. Just I a know. really just a really, really big fan of those couple football players that used to wear number ninety-nine. <laughs> big Pippo and Zagi Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, I mean, the final question we, or the final thing we can say in the question, I guess, is just how big is El Santo's legacy, do you think? Or Because, I mean, let's be honest, he is the guy that really kind of influenced modern Lucha Libre as we know it. I mean, I, if, if you want to talk the extent of his legacy, you just kind of have to look at wrestling now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I... Too big to really comprehend, frankly. We could, we could, like, we could talk for hours on very separate parts of his legacy. <laughs> no, because I, I, I think, I think a lot of it is you. You can say, in, in a sense, he, you know, in a sense, he was kind of like, I guess you could say, Mexico's version of Inoki. Yeah, yeah. Just without the politics there. <laughs> Yeah, without without the politics, Blue yeah. Demon has that covered. However, however, yeah. I do think that one of um, El Santo's children did get into politics. I think, Probably. I believe, yeah, I believe his son does environmental campaigning. Yes, yes. Um, but you know, like, because the thing is, right? We say about this, but 
there's no way to kind of properly contextualize when someone has this big of a cultural impact because we all know how big wrestling is in mexico yeah yes like that much is kind of difficult to really comprehend Mm. So when you say that this is the guy that basically set the foundations for fundamental aspects of what we even know as Lucha Libre, yeah, and to be responsible for its popularity, to you know the the central function and use of of masks along with that original L M mascara, L M mascarado, um, and things like that, to then you know him having multiple years of comic books tens on tens of films and then you know hundreds of thousands of people attending a funeral which i can't lie was probably a state funeral yeah Mm. from the sounds of it like he becomes a wrestler that transcends beyond that like i said he has become the archetype on which all others build themselves basically i i I, the way you see it is like if superman is the the embodiment of americans like truth justice and stuff like that i you you could say el santo is the mexican equivalent of like that of of the truth of truth and justice yeah no i think that's i think that's totally valid so TLDR, you know, El Cento is super bad, confirmed. Yeah, he is just like this cultural embodiment in in himself. Yeah. And it's been it's been an absolute like amazing journey to just delve deep into researching this, not only from his wrestling and and little bits of clips and images I can find, but also just the comics and the movies. It's been so much fun doing this. And with that, it is time to end. It, oh, sorry. No, it's not time to end. It's, wrap, it's We're wrapping up the end of this one, I should say. It's been fun. This one genuinely has been fun to research. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it makes I, me want to watch more, <laughs> more El Santo movies. I say that much. Oh, guys, when this one ed, ends the recording, there's one thing I, did, I, I, I wanted to say, but I, didn't, but I think I shouldn't have okay, said, because we'll it's, it. we'll fun, it's it. hilarious what he done in his films. Anyway, uh, this one has been fun. What do you think, chaps? Do you think with this, maybe, you know, reared yourself, will you go and try and see if you can hunt down some of the comics? I will. I, you know, I, I have some channels, so I would be very intrigued to find them. <laughs> I'm definitely down to like at least read the the comic book run of him facing the four horsemen. Yeah, God. Oh, imagine if there was a rerun in it, and it was like El Santo versus the four horsemen, which is Flair. <laughs> Flair. Oh, I thought you were going to say El Santo versus Galactus. <laughs> oh, that would have made Marvel versus Capcom three so much easier. Um... Oh hell yeah. <laughs> so oh man next episode oh i'm really looking forward to this one we have mentioned the uh the the patron saint of the family i say the the originator of the family well we're going to be talking about the guerrero family on the next episode this is a big one it's a tale as old as time itself We're going to, I mean, lightly <laughs> touching upon the family, the trees, the individual careers here and there. 
undoubtedly we are going to be talking loads about Eddie and Charvo because there's no oh, way dear. we could be not we could not talk about Eddie and Charvo on that episode. But honestly, <laughs> the history of the Guerrero family, like uh, Gory, Hector, Mundo, Charvo, uh, Charvo Senior. Um, by the way, Chavo Classic loved that run. Yeah, cannot wait to talk about that in the next <clears> sub. But uh, yeah, what a great start to, to Mexican Heritage Month for sure. And I'm so looking forward to the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. But until next time, I have been Sam. This has been El Dan and El Riedon. And you have been listening to the Sweet Shed Wag podcast. We'll see you as ever on the next one. Bye, everybody! Bye. El Santo! Away!